Hello and welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Morgan and this is my co-host Gabia. Hello. Today we are doing an Oscar recap. It is the night after the Oscars. We are both very tired, Gav, because it is late in Scotland, and me because I did not sleep last night. So this will be an interesting discussion. We will attempt to be cogent, but I can make no promises. I think we probably have some differing differing opinions on the outcome of the awards. I saw the whole show, obviously, because it is in my time zone. Gav did not see the whole show. We'll we'll talk about the awards, a little bit about the show, possibly a little bit about the dresses. We'll just cover all our bases. Why don't we start, before we get to the contentious issue of the Best Picture winner, why don't we start with just a general general overview of the context of this Oscars, which is politics, and all the white men who were in charge of presenting it to us, which I felt was not handled immensely well by anyone. I mean, if they don't just... fire Ryan Seacrest, like, I mean, obviously it's like they're apparently keeping him because he produces the Kardashians and there's a big cash cow but it's like it's really hard to gauge as an outsider and not someone who's been like fed Ryan Seacrest for decades like what the point of him is so if you haven't been following this Ryan Seacrest was accused of sexual harassment long time sexual harassment by his ex-stylist um, very credibly I think but obviously this is an allegation uh, you can read about it in Variety we will link to it in the show notes and instead of pulling him, and I, by that I do not mean like firing him immediately. Obviously, he's a you know major figure on their network, but just from this one thing, he kept him on the red carpet at the Oscars, which was crazy. And they had so he was like there by himself. Then they put like Juliana just behind a door somewhere a million miles away, so she didn't have anything to say. And then just most of the celebrities, especially women, were just avoiding Ryan. So he was yes. just standing there talking to Donald Sutherland for like four hours. And I didn't watch it, but I heard it was very uncomfortable. They put they instituted a 30 second delay so that if anyone confronted him, they could not air it. Well, I did watch some of it and it was just really weird because um, it was like actively dull. And also they were clearly... Because they had like... They, they'd cut away to... A panel of it was usually like there was like two white ladies or two white ladies and like one white guy who was a stylist and they would be they would keep talking about like diversity or sexism because they were trying to be relevant so they'd be having conversations about the movies being like oh isn't it interesting there's a lot of tv stars doing it this year but they'd also be like oh yeah it's really bad that there's such a low percentage of female directors or like oh yeah there's such a you know there's just no asian people nominated this year and that's really shocking and it's like just the optics were like so weird and then if you went over to ABC the whole thing was like really interesting fun lively interviews and like the presenter was a black guy and it just like seemed like it was they'd actually like thought about what the reception was going to be like it was oh, it was really weird it was really bizarre and then the show began and Jimmy Kimmel was hosting and I do not dislike Jimmy Kimmel I think he is fine I don't watch his show but a couple of the more political segments he's done that went viral I did see and I thought they were really good occasionally when I've watched interviews he's done I think he's a good interviewer I have no animus towards him 
He's just like some guy. Right. And so he did it last year and I thought was fine. Yeah, he's just some guy. Right. And then there was the whole clusterfuck at the end, which was not his fault. But it felt very strange that then they were like, oh, yeah, let's get him back. And they hired him back very quickly after that show, like abnormally soon, which I just thought was odd. And then when all the Weinstein stuff broke and then everything happened after that, it just felt really bizarre that Jimmy Kimmel was going to be hosting the Oscars. And his monologue, there was nothing in it that was a fuck up, which I guess we should be grateful for because, I mean, God knows there could have been some serious just like disaster moments, right? But it was kind of him just like lecturing the room and then the wider audience on the state of affairs in Hollywood. Like he talked about the Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg pay gap situation on all the money in the world, which you can Google if you don't hear about it. Um, And among various other things. And it just felt so bizarre coming from Jimmy Kimmel of all people. And it wasn't that funny. So because it wasn't that funny, it was more like a lecture. And so then because it was coming from this random straight white dude, I was just like, why is this happening? And I had just watched the day before the Independent Spirit Awards, um, which were hosted for the second year in a row by John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, who are also straight white men, but are really, really funny comedians. And they, of course, also talked about this. And I would recommend watching that monologue because it was absolutely hilarious and just so much more biting and direct about everything. And obviously they have a different brief because they're doing a kind of low-key, very poorly watched show that's like this weird offbeat thing. But comparatively, I was just like, this is just very uncomfortable. Like it made me feel kind of weird. Um, And then I felt the whole tone of the night kind of grew out of that there was nothing that made me go oh my god this is a total nightmare but I felt like it was a big contrast with the Golden Globes which were so bizarrely political given the Golden Globes is normally just like the drunk awards show um this one there was a lot of kind of like self-congratulations about how much progress Hollywood has made on the like diversity front. And I was like, that's not, that hasn't happened. (laughs) Just no, please. It it was just weird. The whole thing was very weird to me. Um, Richard Brody had a good piece about it in the New Yorker that I linked to, but yeah, it was just this sort of weird middle place show where it wasn't a disaster, but there was also just something very odd about it, which I guess is appropriate for this year in a way. But yeah, I mean, you only saw half of it. Yeah, I mean, it it was boring. (laughs) It wasn't interesting. And I mean, you and I share a very common complaint, which is just that they should just spend more time on the speeches, which everyone agrees on. It's just really weird to watch it and be like, there's just all these skits that aren't remotely funny. They're like sub, they're like way below the standard of SNL, which I don't find funny hardly ever. But it's like, you have months to prepare this. Okay. Can we talk about the jet ski? for one moment because I was losing my fucking mind the second they started this and this of course gets to the the speech thing so 
if you didn't watch, I don't know why you're listening to this, but thank you. But <laughs> they had a competition for who could give the shortest speech, and that person would get a jet ski. And then also they added partway through, like, a vacation package somewhere where you could use this jet ski. And it was so just tacky and gross. It was and So it was, like, intentionally tacky, but it was still tacky. It was just weird, because it, yes. it's like, they're so obsessed with, like, the idea of, like, oh, is someone going to get played off and not be able to finish their speech? And, that, like, the whole thing that happened last year with Moonlight was that they didn't get their full time to do speech. And it's like, just allow them to do it. You don't well, need to have a bunch of these skits. Just remove the skits and allow people to have two minutes to talk about whatever their favorite cause is. Like, right. why not? A, f- a few years ago, I think it was the year that Kate Blanchett won, although I could be misremembering this, they just didn't play people off. Like, whoever was producing it that year, they just decided not to play people off. And it was so much more enjoyable to watch. And to my memory, it did not last notably longer and it normally, I mean, it's always long, right? But it it was just like, the. of course the people winning an Oscar care more about getting to give a speech at the Oscars than winning a fucking jet ski. And like, I would like to actually see the speeches. And the speeches this year also, like, the show was boring. And the spe- there were a few speeches that were really good, which we'll talk about. But overall, I, it was not a great year for speeches either. But sometimes the best ones will come from, like, the costume designer. Like, you'll just get a random person who gives a great speech, and that person should be able to get a minute and a half. Like, it's fine. Just whatever. It doesn't matter. And they clearly do not understand that that is why people actually watch the show. And, like, it's fine to have, like, I like the musical numbers. I like to have some montages. Like, break it up a little bit. It's fine. But... It, just the persistent misunderstanding of why people are there is very frustrating to me. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was maddening. And they did the thing again. I don't know if you're still awake where they like took celebrities to meet the normal people. I saw people like, complaining about it. By that point I'd go to sleep. No. It was not as bad as last year where they brought the normal people to the celebrities, but um, it was not good. And I just thought, and then they're like, oh, the speeches are going too long. I was like, you could just cut that and not. One other thing I will say about the random bits. Did you see about the war movies montage? Did you see anything about that on Twitter? That was definitely after you'd gone to bed. I didn't, but I saw someone oh I saw someone do like a tweet that was like, oh, I love the commercial they just aired for the concept of war. It was like, I really want to buy some war now. <laughs> I assumed this was like an ad for the army. <laughs> this was amazing. And this gets back to what I was saying about the sort of weird, discomforted feeling that the whole show had. Like they didn't quite know what what message they wanted to send. Which I think you kind of gotten away from the awards too, actually. So they had this montage of little interviews with like Times Up affiliated people, and then just like diverse nominees, whatever. Like Kumail Nanjiani gave some very good quotes in it. Kumail Nanjiani had a great night. He presented also and was very funny, and I was just like, I'm very proud. Good job. Um, but that was again part of. It felt a little self-satisfied and preemptive to me, but it was like, I guess, good for bringing this up, right? Um, And then, like, five minutes later, maybe one commercial break later, right? They showed a montage that was just, like, war films. 
and I was we were all like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, is this just for men? Like, what's going on? And my friend who was here was like, no, it's for Republicans. And I was like, yes, that is correct. That's what's going on. They have to, they were clearly so freaked out by the idea that they were talking too much about diversity that they had to appease Republicans with a montage of war films, which included a shot from the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers, which is not a film. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Well, I, was, not- I was very uplifted I- during when the first montage came up and there was a significant portion that was scored to the, the Stargate theme music. And I was like, it's really good to see the Oscars recognizing Stargate in 2018. I feel very touched. <laughs> it was just so transparent. It was so fucking dumb. And again, talk about time wasters, right? I just, oh my God, the whole thing. So that was a low point. I would say, and I love war movies, but please. And then it ended on a title card that was like, thanking the troops. It's like, the troops are not watching this. (laughs) That's not happening right now. (laughs) So there was some mixed messaging, I would say, about that. Um, So that was interesting. And the awards themselves were just, I mean, I did not predict all of them correctly, but there was no major surprise in any category, which was just... I mean, so the results are really exciting for six months ago. Because six months ago, no one was going to be like, oh, I'm sure The Shape of Wash was a shoe in But for the past week, this is really just all stuff where it's like, sure. So, I mean, you all, I assume, know that The Shape of Water and Guillermo del Toro won Picture and Director, which the two of us feel differently about. But I think the thing that's always a little bit interesting with Best Picture at the Oscars is that it's obviously completely shaped by the the year, right? So two years ago, Spotlight won, and I don't particularly like that film, but I remember literally screaming with joy when it won because I hated The Revenant and The Big Short so oh, okay, much. Yeah, that makes sense, because I was like, what? Why do you care about this movie? It's like, yeah, okay, that's why. Right. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That, and it was... It, like, it had been the sort of early favorite, and then, I mean, we don't need to go through all this, but by the time it actually won, it was kind of a surprise. And the same friend I just mentioned, I were sitting on my couch, and we both literally shrieked so loud that I was like, I hope the neighbors don't think that someone is being killed in my apartment. Like, And so I think of that as, like, a great Oscar year. Like, victory for Spotlight, excellent positive memory even though i don't think that that's a particularly good movie whereas birdman which we went and saw together and had a great time and i think is a good but definitely flawed film beat boyhood which is an american masterpiece of cinema and it became like the bad guy that year and it still makes me mad to think about it because boyhood deserved to win all of the oscars and it's personally infuriating to me (laughs) that it lost to Birdman, right? So these narratives are sort of built every year and they're not really fair to the movies, but this is what happens and it's impossible not to have it happen because people talk about this stuff for like six months and it just is what it is. This year was a little bit different because there was no it wasn't like between two films. It was 
more mixed. But yeah, I mean, when I look at the list, because like we talked in the original Oscars podcast, basically every single person on the director list deserves to win. And when I look at the list of nominees for Best Picture, there's literally five movies on there where I'm like, yeah, that's the Best Picture. <laughs> well, this is the thing about The Shape of Water, which I do not hate. I don't particularly like it, but I don't think it's like a terrible film. But I think it has suffered and will continue to suffer in terms, like, in the long term of people re- remembering it because it was nominated against Get Out, Call Me By Your Name, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, and... Dunkirk. Dunkirk, right. Which are five, to me, like, stone-cold masterpieces. And I know you love The Shape of Water, and you will have time to defend it, and that's fine. But I just don't think it is... I just don't think it holds a candle to those films. And that's fine but it it just had the misfortune of coming out in a like the best year for cinema in maybe 10 years right and so it's we're in this weird position where and the other thing is that by the time it won it wasn't a surprise and so then the feeling as it happened was like oh right yeah and it's the safe choice it's like this film is real weird well, but see, the thing is that, like, the part, the content is in a way weird. Like, obviously, like, she fucks a fish dude. Like, we all know that this is really strange. And it is cool that they recognized a genre film. And, like, there are things about it that, like, it's neat that it won in certain ways. And as Guy Lodge on Twitter pointed out, the last film with a female protagonist to win Best Picture was Million Dollar Baby in 2003. So, or 2004, maybe. Although, honestly, like, would you not count the artist as having a female protagonist? She was nominated as a supporting character. Oh. Yes. So. Sure. Yeah. He, he, he said, like, you could count that, but the Oscars didn't count her that way. So, but in terms of the actual, like, filmmaking of The Shape of Water, it's definitely the sort of most classical of those those films I just mentioned, obviously like the Post and Darkest Hour, the sort of old funny ditties of the bunch, um, and it's a deliberate homage to like classic Hollywood cinema. And there's a scene in a movie theater, as friend of the podcast John Leavitt pointed out on Twitter. So like, there you go. That's how you win an Oscar. So I think there are ways in which it is sort of like an exciting and new win, and then there are ways in which it totally makes sense as something that is not as like crazy and groundbreaking as it's some people are sort so, of making like, it out to be. The one before the or the kind of the, the thing where it's like just wanking off film buffs is Hugo and La La Land and the artist. I do not like Hugo or La La Land at all. The artist is fine, but like whatever. Well, Hugo and La La Land did not win Best Picture. Yeah, but you know, they were, you know. But Birdman is I feel yeah. falls into this category. But they are definitely like the well. big films that were nominated for a bunch of stuff each year. Yeah. Um but I the the Richard Brody piece I mentioned had a really like vicious critique of this film that was probably more vicious than I would have been, but I found it quite interesting to read. And um I won't go through all of it because you can just read what he said. But what I realized reading it 
and then obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But once I figured this out, I was like, oh, of course it was going to win. Like I get it now. Is that basically The Shape of Water, right, is a movie about oppression that makes you feel good. And the Oscars fucking love that shit. And it's not, like, they have previously rewarded movies like that that are, that are like that in a gross and offensive way, which The Shape of Water is not. But the fact remains that The Shape of Water is a movie about oppression that ultimately is like, but it's all fine. And... Because, you know, you watched it at the end and we're like, she's dead. And I don't think anyone else had that reaction. Actually, I literally, so I literally watched this for the second time two hours ago. Like, I got my friends to watch it tonight. And um, I know that, like, basically no one thinks the ending is ambiguous. But, like, my housemate Grace was immediately like, oh, oh, no, she's dead at the end. So so you are kindred spirits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, the supporting characters are all kind of types which I think he's doing deliberately in a way. I don't think it really works, but there is this kind of simplicity of storytelling that, again, I think is a deliberate choice and I think it either works for you or it doesn't, but it is designed to make you feel good. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with movies that make you feel good, but Get Out, which I think should have won and I think is the film of this year, is not a movie that makes you feel good. Right. And certainly that does not make white people feel good. And even though he wins at the end, it's a very sort of ambivalent ending. Um, And that was the one that I think everyone kind of thought was going to win ultimately. And once, of course, once the thing happens, it's easy to be like, well, of course, now we know why this, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it did kind of make sense to me ultimately thinking about it again in those terms. I was like, oh, <laughs> but also like get out is the one that people are going to remember so like obviously I don't think right. I need to go into detail about The Shape of Water but obviously I fucking love that movie I love Guillermo del Toro I also do think that like it very much just kind of fits into his filmography as like another really brilliant film by him and I'm really glad that he got recognition and I think that he deserves an Oscar and deserves adulation I'm very glad he's happy but in terms of kind of lasting cultural impact obviously it's get out and well, like, yeah, I mean, Phantom Thread and Call Me By Your Name are both masterpieces, like you said. And they were more... So it's sort of like when you look at... When I look back at the films I saw over the year, there was always like a few where I knew I would love them in advance. And then there's a few where I was just like really surprised by the experience. And like kind of the one that has more impact is the surprise. So it's stuff like Phantom Thread and Get Out is like, holy shit, this is incredible. Yeah. But I'm not like, you know, he didn't deserve this. I <laughs> mean... Naturally. My man. I know, I know <laughs> you love him. And he gave a wonderful speech. And, like, he's obviously this nicest man. Like, it's not... I wasn't like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> like, I mean, I think he was easily the worst of those five nominees for director. But it's not like Alejandro, Alejandro Iñárritu won again. Which, like, please spare me from that ever happening. Um, we should say that of the past five years, in the past five years... The Three Amigos have won four times, <laughs> and Damien Chazelle won once. So Mexico is doing great in the Best Director category at the Oscars, specifically. See, like, to be people doing like scouting for young Mexican filmmakers now, because there must be like a whole generation coming up now that grew up on these guys, and it's like, right. well, bring them over. Yeah, but uh, apart from that, the rest of the 
awards were also just so predictable. And people complain about this every year, and this is really the problem, and this is part of Harvey Weinstein's legacy to all of us, uh, is that award season is a massive industry in Los Angeles now, and there are a bazillion precursor awards, and all of them are their own little business. So they're not going to shut down because they make money. So what was their impetus to stop existing, right? But it means that by the time you get to the Oscars, it's just like, it's so fucking dull. Like, um, Definitely and- the worst example of that this year is Gary Oldman, because I feel like early on in film festival season, there was just like everyone was in lockstep at the concept of Gary Oldman winning for Dark. And it's like, obviously, it's like, it's like basically, it's one of very few like classic like Oscar movies on the list this year. Like this and like the post and like three billboards, that sort of thing, are like Oscar movies. But like definitely the most of them is Darkest Era because it's a biopic. He has like a physical transformation. He's playing a really familiar character and he's like a beloved actor who hasn't won before. So it's like, yeah. But it was kind of, it was almost like it was a self fulfilling prophecy because it was like people were saying, well, he's going to win Best Actor before the movie had even come out and most people yep. had seen it. And, and, al- and also like everyone just feels so bitterly towards him now because it's like you had three very good choices other options on this list no one is going to be like fondly thinking back to this film about you know your dad not Morgan's dad the collective you yes um yeah and of course like he won an Oscar and Kobe Bryant won an Oscar for what is apparently an absolutely appalling short film about himself um and both of them have uh serious uh sex crime allegations against them uh, rape in the case of Kobe Bryant and sexual uh, or domestic violence in the case of Gary Oldman. You can Google to find more. Um, so it was just, and they both got like massive applause from the audience, right? LA loves Kobe and Gary Oldman is, I mean, he, he won this as a career award. Like it was not for this performance. He's fine in the movie. He's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not people who are claiming that this is some kind of, unbelievably whatever I saw it and I feel like I didn't see it because that's how memorable it was um I was in awe when I saw I think it must have been from your twitter that they also inserted like a young female naive secretary girl for him to talk to in this because they also had that in the crown where it's like yeah Churchill needs someone to engage with so let's give let's make up a young woman who's just really in awe of him and they have kind of conversations to show how wise and mentorly he is. And it's like, no, he's just bad. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, that film was just fucking egregious. Um, and yeah, I that, was, that win was the most aggravating to me, I would say, of, of the night. Uh, Alison Janney also irritated me. I mean, she did not irritate me. She is wonderful, but... Again, she won literally every award the whole year. And you're just like, okay. I've not seen I, Tonya, And I feel like now, like, I'm not going to see I, Tonya, I'm not going to see Three Billboards. But my love for Alison Janney is so deep that, like, I just don't even care. Give her an Oscar. Everyone in that category was wonderful. But, like, can't begrudge Alison. She's bad in the movie. She's bad. And you saw Lady Bird. You saw Laurie Metcalf. I'm sorry. 
she deserved well, that Well, it seems like you're wrong. If, if Alice and Jenny won all the awards, it seems like you're objectively wrong and the awards have proven. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but this is the funny thing about the Oscars. I would say, well, before I, before I get to the point I was about to make, the screenwriting awards were the two things that actually went to the correct people tonight. Delightful choices. Speeches. Uh, Jordan Peele won original screenplay for Get Out and was very excited and it was wonderful. And James Ivory, at the age of 89, won his first Oscar for Call Me By Your Name, wearing a shirt with Timothy Chalamet's face on it. And a true it was icon. so beautiful. And he thanked his partners for Merchant Ivory, who are gone now. And he said, in honoring me, you honor them. And I was like, oh, it was very, very emotional. I was so happy for him. I saw him at a screening of Howard's End doing a Q&A a year and a half or maybe two years ago. And he was just, he is so wonderful. I love those, those old films so much. I, I just made me so happy. Um, and Roger Deakins winning also. I was like, fucking finally. Oh my God. I didn't even think. Blade Runner 2049 looked as great as everyone said it did, but Roger Deakins, this was his 14th nomination without a win, and he is a living legend. Let him be free. Set him free. Honestly, if you want a taste of his work, watch The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, which is one of the greatest films ever made. I am not exaggerating, and his cinematography in that film is, like, I cannot even speak about it. Well, this movie was the devil's bargain because it's like, you know, when when actors get the Oscar for the worst movie and when Blade Runner 2049, it's like, you're finally going to win your Oscar, but it's going to be the one where you have to just like zoom in on some CGI tits for like right. a solid five to ten minutes of the film's <laughs> runtime. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but it was funny. I'd never seen him speak before. I've seen photos of him and I've seen him at award ceremonies and he has this, he has this amazing white hair and he just sort of looks like he's out of the 70s. He's very handsome and sort of dashing, but he got up there and started talking and my other friend who is here, not the one I was talking about, just to differentiate them for people who are listening who have no idea who these people are, was just like, oh my god, he's so boyish. And I was like, I know, he's 68 years old, but he's kind of twitchy and just has this kind of laid back, like, 60s vibe. And it was so charming. And I was like, I love you. This is really wonderful. It made me really happy. So there was some, there was some good stuff that happened last night but ironically perhaps the two best speeches of the evening were sam rockwell and francis mcdormand who won for three billboards a film i hate and so you have to just be like well whatever well sam rockwell was very practiced not in a like you know i'm a plastic man way but he had he'd written a speech it was very thoughtful rehearsed yes yes chill. yes indeed and he's a wonderful man so, I mean, I certainly hope that's the case. He is, as far as I'm aware, like one of the most popular people in Hollywood. He's beloved by everybody. So um, I didn't fully make the connection until I saw them on the red carpet. But like, everyone's like, oh, it's so cool that he's like dating Leslie Bibb. But like, obviously, I didn't make the connection in my brain that she's the journalist from Iron Man. So now I'm like, oh, they met on Iron Man. And that that's, that, that's the angle you have to point at for me. And now I'm just like, really good. Really good. Wonderful. Well... The thing that I keep thinking of now is that 
Wesley Morris wrote this great piece about how terrible Three Billboards is in the New York Times a couple months ago that got a lot of weird internet reactions from people, as you might imagine. And Sam Rockwell's father commented on it. This really great comment, right? That was literally just like, I enjoyed this film very much. Like, I'm Sam Rockwell's dad. It was literally just like two sentences, the most innocuous. It was just really funny. And I was listening to Wesley Morris, who is one of my heroes, on a podcast the other week. And someone asked him about it. And he was like, I thought it was fine. He was like, I used to work for Sam Rockwell's dad at the San Francisco Chronicle. I was like, what? And apparently he was just this like chill, nice guy. It was the beginning of Sam Rockwell's sort of like rise. And he was just like very quietly, very excited about his son's career. And I was like, give him an Oscar. It's fine. It's fine. I don't care anymore. (laughs) So then when he was talking about his dad in this speech, I was just very moved by the whole thing. And he dedicated it to Philip Seymour Hoffman. So I was like, it's okay. You're acceptable. Sure. Um, has a 10 second cameo in the movie Mute okay not recommended (laughs) well I mean he really won it for Moon so that's how it's gonna be well they're part of the Moon cinematic universe yep yep unfortunately Um, please listeners don't don't watch Mute I know it's on Netflix and that makes it accessible but save yourselves and then Frances McDormand Easily the best moment of the night. She also gave an awesome speech at the Indie Spirits that reminded me, I was like, oh, right, I love you. Which was good because it's easy at these things to start getting annoyed by someone when they keep winning and you don't want them to, even if you love that person. The Indie Spirits, she gets up there and she just goes, it has been so hard not to swear. (laughs) (laughs) just because this goes on for so fucking long and she just went off and I was like you're great Um, and then her speech at the Oscars was so absolutely wonderful and she was so genuinely excited in a way that was really wonderful to watch I remember her winning all the awards for Olive Kittredge which I have recommended on here before I think it's so good it was a miniseries on HBO and her attitude then was definitely like I will accept this award but I don't like it (laughs) like I'm here under duress fine and this she was clearly like genuinely so happy but then used her moment to highlight other women and speak the words inclusion writer on national television and then everyone had to google what inclusion writer meant and now there are a bunch of articles about it today i mean that is so smart like that's just so such a smart use of your platform it it really makes me hope that like so people like jennifer lawrence who kind of appear to have the right idea in mind but are just dummies and don't know how to execute it and don't have like the tools. And it's just like, if you just tell your agent the phrase inclusion writer, maybe that'll help. Right. Exactly. Just do what Francis says. (laughs) It's fine. And she's now apparently literally has a contract to do a movie with Chloe Zhao, who won um, a sort of like up and coming filmmaker award at the Indie Spirits. 
who made this film, The Rider, that's coming out next year that I saw at the New York Film Festival that probably would have been on my top 10 list if it had come out this year. It is so astonishing. Um, and she's this, like Chinese director who did her MFA at NYU. And now like, I don't know if she still lives in South Dakota on like a Native American reservation. She's like made films there. She's such an interesting person. And it's clear that despite having made this like horrible racist movie that Frances McDormand is like on the warpath to just be like, I am, I'm going to do the like good stuff. And all of Kittredge was an entirely female team too. So I was sort of like, you know what? I just, I don't have the effort to be mad about this anymore. Like it's, it's fine, whatever. So at least there was one good moment of television. <laughs> um, and I would recommend even if you didn't watch the ceremony, Again, I don't know why you're listening to this, but go watch that speech and watch Timothy Chalamet's speech from the Indie Spirits the day before, which... Yeah, the thing is that, like, even though Gary Oldman won, I mean, Timothy Chalamet is now on the map, so he's fine. Right. Well, he also won In Our Hearts, so it's okay. Yeah, and he had the yeah. best time of anyone at the Oscars, so... And at the Indie Spirits, he was having the time of his life the whole weekend, so it's really... I think the whole thing, because it's like he got to meet he got to meet meet Frank Ocean and he actually enjoys fashion, so unlike a lot of kind of, you know, up-and-coming male stars, he's just really excited to get a bunch of expensive clothes and have to wear them in public, because a lot of people are just like, thanks for the suit, I don't care. Yep. Yeah. A lovely boy. Yeah, it's it's the end of 2017 now, in March. It took a long time to get here, but it's officially 2018 now, and we can move on with our lives, which I'm frankly very relieved about, because it's been too long. Yeah, I think uh. probably by, I'm saying maybe March 10th or 11th, I'll have forgotten three billboards exist, and I wouldn't have to even pretend to have an opinion, because I've never watched it, so, done. It's great! You successfully escaped. <laughs> What a closing closing remark. Favorite outfit? The Pete Nyong'o. Gold. She looked great. She looked great. Jane Fonda also looked really great. She was like a video game character. Yes. Did you hear, did you see her present? She compared the sets, which we somehow did not mention, which were the most hideous things I have seen, perhaps in my life, to the Orgasmatron in Barbarella. Which I do not believe was scripted. <laughs> I love that. It she was would amazing. I have it seen Barbarella multiple times and uh, seems solid. Actually, the yeah. Orgasmatron looks better. They should just have like the Orgasmatron on there. Yeah, I mean, we're winding down, so I won't get too much into it, but it was really amazing how poorly produced this show was beyond just the general boringness. It was... Production values were high yet low. Also, so... the scripting was so bad that like when they had the award that was presented by Mark Hamill... Oscar Isaac and Kelly Marie Tran, three of the most charismatic people in Hollywood, it was stilted and weird, not funny. And I was like, if you literally just allowed them to riff off each other, Kelly Marie Tran and Mark Hamill are basically professional, like, improv comics. Like, Kelly Marie Tran's literally a trained improv comic. Oscar Isaac is professionally just incredibly charming, and they have the droid with them. Just send them out there. The only good presenters were Kamel Anjiani and Lupita Nyong'o and really Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph who were the winners of the night. Oh, 
the two of them really were. Maya Rudolph wore basically just like a red turtleneck that extended to the ground. But it was like so high fashion and she had great earrings. And I was just like, I love you. You are the best. And But Tiffany Haddish probably gets my vote. She was wearing a sort of like traditional Eritrean uh dress outfit situation yeah uh in honor of her father i saw that and it was great last year and i just thought she looked so great and it was so interesting and different um and chadwick mosman who looked awesome oh god he looks so good your comment about that i thought was on point if you want to yeah basically he's like so chadwick boseman if you look at him maybe six to nine months ago and before that he is a stylish Hollywood man who wears nice suits. Occasionally he will do something as bold as wearing a checked suit, but generally it's like plain grey. Handsome man in a grey suit. After that, he adopted his uh, Black Panther stylist, who's now, you know, he has this very famous stylist who I don't recall her name, but she's wonderful. And she has styled him as essentially Black Panther in real life. So like when he does photo shoots and public appearances now, he's either literally wearing... Um, he's wearing like a kind of three quarter length coat like he was at the Oscars looking amazing or he's wearing something very kind of cutting edge like sci-fi fashion but not in a silly way and he always looks incredible and he has such like stage presence that he absolutely pulls it off it's it was awesome whenever the men actually wear something that's interesting I appreciate it so much and his coat was so I was into it. It was very close to the one that he wears in the lab scene with Shuri where she makes fun of his shoes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast and to all of our Oscar coverage over the course of the year. We greatly appreciate it. If you have not already, you can support us on Patreon and have access to all kinds of exciting special content like, for instance, the extensive Oscar preview guide that I posted last weekend, which is now obsolete. There will be things like that coming at you in the coming weeks and months, uh, as well as mini episodes. Um, and otherwise, you can find us at overinvestedpodcast.com, on Twitter at overinvestedpod, or on Tumblr at overinvestedpodcast. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>